All right, guys, so this is different than any podcast I've ever really done because there is no hills, there is no Laguna Beach. It's just me talking about what allegedly happened on the set of One Tree Hill and on the set of Gossip Girl. Again, this is all allegedly. I have zero proof other than when I saw Chad Michael Murray be rude to fans. Other than that, it's all hearsay. And I just want to make that clear. Like, um, a lot of the Gossip Girl stuff, actually pretty much everything that I'm going to cover for Gossip Girl came from the NT podcast, which I've talked about before. And that is E-N- T-Y, and it's called Crazy Days and Nights. It's on Patreon, and you need to pay like $4.99 a month or something to get all of his podcasts. I love him. I think they're really great. I think he's very knowledgeable, and he does all celebrity blinds. He's the one I follow the closest. I know a lot of people don't like him, but he's my favorite when it comes to all the blind celebrity gossip kind of thing. And to be honest, I don't even know how this podcast is going to go. We're just, we're going to buckle in. We're going to do our best. (laughs) We're going to just go through it. I might talk about the actual show or just behind the scenes stuff. I'll probably talk about other celebrity blind kind of things. One podcast I really suggest other than the Crazy Days and Nights podcast is the Dunzo podcast. I'm so upset that I did not take that podcast name. He used to be the Smush Room he has changed, he has rebranded the name to the Dunzo podcast, and it's a great podcast. He does a great, great job of going through all celebrity blinds. He just did a Justin Bieber, Selena Gomez, like four part podcast, and he does a really good job. He breaks down really well, and his podcasts are super long, so I give him a lot of credit because I always struggle getting to like, I don't know, 50 minutes for a podcast. This podcast, I don't know how long it's going to be. Like I said, guys, we're just going to roll with the punches. We're going to do our best. And we're going to talk about what allegedly happened on One Tree Hill and Gossip Girl. So I'm going to start with One Tree Hill. And unfortunately, if you've listened to this podcast, this will be a little bit repetitive. I found a little bit more stuff from digging. But other than that, there hasn't been a ton. And when I put up the question, like, did anyone grow up in Wilmington? Know any tea about the One Tree Hill cast? Nobody really had much to say, which is fine. I promise I'm not mad about it, but a lot of this tea comes from like the forums that I used to be a part of. So I was fucking obsessed with One Tree Hill. When I tell you that show really made a huge impact on my life, it definitely did. I am not a Netflix watcher. I get a little, I get a little defensive when it comes to Netflix watchers because you guys don't get the struggle, okay? You don't understand what it's like to sit through commercial breaks. You don't understand what it's like to have to wait two weeks for one episode, then another spring break happens and it's three weeks and then you get the rest of the season. There was a lot of struggles when you watched it live. And hell, I watched it before DVR really, so I had to watch it on the night it was on or I had to wait for the reruns during the summertime. Or I would have my mom buy the box set, which was like $50, and we definitely did not have like extra money to spare. But she would do it. She would hook me up and I appreciate her so much for that. So yeah, I don't know why I'm like salty towards Netflix watchers. I guess because you guys had it way easier than I did. I'm just jealous, okay? I'm jealous. But I will, I'm going to start off by talking about my time in Wilmington. For my 16th birthday, my mom was kind of like, we can either go to Disney or we can go to this One Tree Hill charity basketball game. And I chose the charity basketball game. I'm almost 29 and still have never been to Disney. But I did get to meet the cast of One Tree Hill. So, I mean, I'll take One Tree Hill over Disney any day. Now, when we landed, we drove around and we got to watch them film the last scene of season four. 
when they're at the river court playing the basketball game. So we got to watch that be filmed, which is really cool. And basically it's kind of funny because you're watching it and you're like, oh my God, I was standing right there. But they did a great job, obviously, making sure you didn't see like the 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 people, however many people were there. There were actually a lot. But during this time is when I think James Lafferty and Sophia Bush first started to kind of date because he was like all around her, talking to her the whole time. Chad Michael Murray wasn't really talking to any other cast members, which I thought was really weird. But it was mostly like James talking to everybody. I mean, everyone talking to everybody except for Chad. Chad was just kind of doing his own thing, smoking a cigarette. Who knows if he's still a smoker? I'm not sure. But the next day, it was the charity basketball game. And we got there really early, so we got good seats. And basically, it was like an hour, hour and a half basketball game. Maybe an hour long basketball game. I can't really remember. And during that, like... Rachel Danielle Harris is running around like throwing t-shirts into the crowd. Um, Bethany Joy Lenz is doing the same. Hillary Burton. It was a really, really cool, very fan-oriented event. And it was actually the, no, they did a charity basketball game the following year. But it was one of the last ones that they did during season four. Chad Michael Murray did not show up until the very end. There was maybe five minutes left. He did not play basketball because he's not a good basketball player. Fun fact, 90% of the time it was actually a stunt double doing his basketball shots. And you can kind of see it in some like season three, season four scenes because the guy is wearing a wig. So he looks like Chad Michael Murray. It's very funny. So if you're watching the series over, Make sure you check that out and you'll be able to tell when it's not actually him playing basketball. But like I said, Chad Michael Murray showed up and he had Kenzie Dalton on his arm, which we'll get into in a little bit. And basically sat there for a little bit and then maybe signed autographs for like 15 to 20 minutes. I'm not exactly sure how long. And then he was gone. So I thought that was pretty fucked up because the rest of the cast members stayed until like seven at night. We got there, they got there at noon and stayed for hours and hours and made sure everyone could get a picture, made sure everyone could get an autograph. And even like I think of Bevan, I hope you know who Bevan is, Bevan Prince. So she was leaving early or had to leave early or something. So she walked down the whole line of fans so she could meet everybody. And I think about um, Hillary Burton. Peyton was my favorite, one of my favorites. I know everyone hates on Peyton. I get it. I get it. I understand why you might hate on her. But I loved Hillary Burton from her TRL days. So I think I just held on to that. And when I got up to the table, I was like, can I please have a picture? Because they said they were done taking pictures. And she looked at the security guard, looked at me and goes, you can absolutely take a photo with me, which I thought was really cool and really awesome fan oriented event. And I know they still do a lot of the icon events. And apparently Chad Michael Murray's super nice during those, which is good. Maybe he grew. Maybe he's grown since his One Tree Hill days when he realized Once you can't play a teen heartthrob, there's not a ton you can do. Yeah, there's my Chad Michael Murray shade. But let's talk about the relationships that were on set of One Tree Hill. I'm not sure if E! still does like an E! True Hollywood story, but if they did, I want one on the One Tree Hill cast. They got away with so much down in Wilmington because there were no paparazzi, no real social media, and I feel like they got to do whatever they wanted, and they all like dated each other so you know there was a ton of drama on set and then obviously Mark Schwann is like a huge ass piece of shit so I kind of feel like they need to do something about that and I've actually reached out to Enti I'm like can you please do a deep dive on One Tree Hill I need to know everything so maybe one day we will get that but let's talk about all the relationships on set so obviously we have Chad Michael Murray and Sophia Bush and I'm going to tell you why they broke up after I go through all these and then we had 
Dan Scott, Paul Johansson. He actually dated Shelly, the clean teen. I don't know her real name. I think it's Elizabeth or something. But they dated briefly. Bevan Prince dated Chris Keller for a brief time. Um, Sophia Bush also dated James Lafferty and Austin Nichols. James Lafferty also dated Chantel Van Satan. Satan? I'm not saying her last name right and I know it, but I'm trying. I'm trying really hard. So we have that group. And then... Chelsea Kane ended up coming on the show and her and Steven dated, Steven Coletti. I'm trying to think if there are any more, but there's like just so much like inter-everything kind of relationships with this show. And there are also rumors about Robert Buckley and Chantel Van Satin. <laughs> but I cannot com- but I cannot confirm or deny those rumors because they've always said they're like best friends. But who knows? Who knows the truth? Again, this is all allegedly. Just throwing that out there, reminding you, take a shot every time I say allegedly, okay? That is the drinking game for this podcast. So you're ready to hear why Chad Michael Murray and Sophia Bush broke up. Obviously, he cheated on her with Paris Hilton. And that's why I always, always get upset that like Paris Hilton is this big figure of the early 2000s because I'm like, no, you ruined, well, Chad Michael Murray also. I cannot stand Chad Michael Murray. I cannot stand Paris Hilton. And there, I said it. I finally got that off my chest. You guys knew about the Chad Michael Murray thing, but the Paris Hilton thing, I don't know if you knew about. But anyway, basically what happened, Chad ended up getting a call on a landline at home. And this this is what I've heard. So Chad's friend called him on a landline at his home, right? Remember landlines, those good times? Well, well, if you had more than one landline, you could listen to the conversation. So Sophia Bush picked up the phone and heard the confession. Chad was kind of bragging to his friend how he slept with Paris. And that is why they broke up because she heard it with her own ears. And yeah, Chad Montgomery, douchebag. (laughs) Again, I hope he has changed. I hope he has grown. We can only hope that. We love growth. But I've heard a lot of Chad Montgomery stories. Like even when he was married to Sophia, he was sleeping with random girls at UNC Wilmington, he would sleep with random girls at the bar, and what he would do is bring them back to Antoine Tanner's apartment, who played skills. So he kind of had this little, like, side house that he could bring girls to, and it's all very crazy. So one person did DM me about a studio tour, and I'm not sure when they took the studio tour. I don't know if it was season three or season four, but the guide was basically like, if you see Chad Michael Murray, don't talk to him. He's not very nice. They're like, he doesn't want to be bothered by fans. But if we see any other cast members, take your time. Like, they want to meet you. They want to take pictures with you. But not Chad. Don't waste your breath. And of course, after him and Sophia broke up, he started dating a fucking high schooler. That's gross. Kenzie Dalton, she was 17 or 18. And at this time, he was like 23, 24. He wasn't allowed to go to prom with her because he's old as shit. Not old as shit, but like, you're, you shouldn't, <laughs> if you're in your 20s, you should not be allowed at a high school prom. I do agree with that. So what did he do instead of going to prom? They took pictures together and then she went to prom with her friends and he ended up throwing a massive house party for her and all of her friends. What a cool guy. And him and Kenzie were together for like seven years and then he cheated on her allegedly with a co-star. He was on some show with Mento, Milo, Mento? Who's Mento? Milo Ventimiglia, Milia? They did some show, it was on Cracked. It was on a network called Crackle. And he cheated on her allegedly with a co-star there and then allegedly cheated on that co-star with his now wife, Sarah Romer. So there's a rundown of Chad Michael Murray. And one story that really sticks out for me about the Chad Sophia drama. I'm a part of this Facebook group. 
and it's all about One Tree Hill and I need to leave it because people are incorrect with their information, okay? Like I said, I spent so much time on these message boards, these One Tree Hill message boards, and I understand it might not all be factual information. Totally fine, totally get that, but it was, I spent way too much time. Anyway, there's a scene in season five where Brooke is bringing her baby Angie. She was like fostering a baby Angie and Lucas shows up and you kind of have a moment where you're like, oh my God, are they going to get back together? What's going on? And during that time, there were fans at the airport, whatever, and a fan tried to hand Sophia Bush a bracelet that said like Brucus forever. If you don't know, that is what they call Brooke and Lucas. It was Brucus. And she looked at the Um, she looked at the bracelet. She said, the only reason I can work with that man right over there, and of course she pointed over at Chad, and she continued, she was like, is because Brucus is not a thing. Totally understand that. I mean, how could you, like, especially how they broke up, and then he went right to dating Kenzie Dalton, that little girl, (laughs) that little teenager. There's even one scene during the Sparkle Classic episode season season three I believe I don't remember the episode number but they're sitting on the bus and you see Lucas look back and do like a cute little face to someone that someone is Kenzie Dalton and it's when they first started dating because they started dating pretty quick but even that little moment I'm like fuck you Chad (laughs) like you're ruining this for me Okay, so I feel like that's enough Chad Sophia drama a few people have told me that Chad was actually a pretty nice guy like around town But again, I don't know. And I've also heard Sophia Bush was like a real diva. Again, hearsay. (laughs) But somebody said they lived in the same apartment complex as her and she would leave notes on cars being like, you parked in my spot when there were never any assigned spots. And again, I hope it isn't true, but... (laughs) So James Lafferty, he was 18 at the time. And when he first moved to, uh, I almost said Nashville, uh, Wilmington, him and the actor Tim, Brett Claywell, were actually roommates. And a lot of people have said, like, James Lafferty has done so much for the Wilmington community. They really loved him. And he's also allegedly slept with a lot of girls at UNC Wilmington. I mean, to be honest, if I was at a party and saw James Lafferty, I'd be like, hell yeah, let's go. (laughs) Like you're Nathan Scott. I don't care. A follower did tell me that her roommate slept with him and he was bad in bed, which makes me very sad. I'm going to say that one is not true. But honestly, if you're Nathan Scott, like you probably don't need to like do much. People are just excited to be with you. Again, I'm not I'm done with that. I'm done with that part. I'm trying to think if there's any more real James Lafferty tea. I just, I feel like not many people talk about him and Chantel dating. And apparently he left her really quick and started dating Evie, Eve Houston, 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 but Bono's daughter. And that is how they got U2 to give them the rights to the song One Tree Hill for the series finale. James Lafferty had a little bit of, a little bit to do with that. During this last Icon event, like last fan event, it was just a few weeks ago, um, a few followers went to it and somebody said that they saw Steven bringing a girl into the bathroom at a bar and they were in there for a little bit together and then just left, left the bathroom like nothing happened. And there was also a TikTok video going on where James and Steven went back to one of the girls' houses and they had like a little party 
And honestly, these girls look young, young, like not even 21 young. And I was kind of like, that's kind of gross. And I understand like ages when you're older, it's way different. But to me, I mean, I I was 20 dating a 30 year old. But to me, it's just kind of weird that like 32, 33, 34 year olds would go back to like a 20 year old's house to party. Like that's just kind of, that's just kind of icky to me. I don't know. Maybe I'm a prude. (laughs) So that's kind of all I have on James Lafferty. I don't, I don't know a ton. Somebody DM'd me. She is a loyal follower. I believe her. I actually really do. She said one time she was out in Wilmington at a restaurant. Sophia Bush was at the table next to her talking about how James Lafferty was being an absolute dickbag to her. Dickbag was not the word she said. She said he was being a, like, he was being awful towards her. I prefer the term dickbag. Now, I haven't listened to, like, Jana Kramer's podcast that much, but I did listen when Bethany Joy Lenz was on. And she said, or Jana told Bethany that she felt like there was a real disconnect between the new actors and the older actors when, what was it, season six or, I think season six when they decided to, like, or season seven, I'm sorry, excuse me, season seven after Lucas and Peyton left. They decided to bring in a whole new group of people And Bethany was like, there was a lot of tension on set at the time. And a lot of you might not know this, but Chad Michael Murray was left the show because he wanted to be paid more than anyone else, basically. He wanted to make more money. And Mark Schwann said, no way. I think Hillary Burton left because of the way Mark Schwann treated her. He was an absolute horrible, horrible human. So this is a kind of sidebar about what kind of person Mark Schwann is. I know I'm supposed to say allegedly, but there is a cast member that is now, or was on Very Cavallari, and she showed me some emails that he had been sending to her when she was 16 years old. So he ended up sending her cash in the mail to buy bikinis, only if she would send him pictures of her in them. So he wanted her to buy these bikinis, take pictures, mail them to him. And how did he get her address? Because he took it off of her paperwork when she was an extra in a show that he directed. And he also got her number. So he started texting her, really harassing her. And she was 16 years old. Like he saw her age on the paperwork. And then he sent her $200 to take pictures in bikinis. And what she did... She ended up buying like Abercrombie jeans or something, no pictures sent, but he continued to email her, continued to text her, continued to harass her. And she's like, she was honestly, she's like, I'm so happy that he got called out. So I bet you there's a lot more stories other than just what the One Tree Hill cast and the Royals cast said about him. There are also a few other moments that really stick out to me when you think of Mark Schwann being an absolute creep. Now he always, I mean, it has been said that Hillary Burton was his muse and he would really make things uncomfortable for her on set. He'd try and kiss her, act like she was his girlfriend, really gross stuff. But I have a theory about Danielle Harris, Rachel, okay? So if you have the box set of season three, you can watch the shooting episode with commentary from the cast on it. And during it, there's a moment where Rachel's hugging Mouth and Mouth's head is, you know, kind of on her chest and he's crying. And Mark Schwann goes, I, you know what, Lee? I bet you're really happy I wrote that scene in for you. I mean, that's creepy. That's gross. That is just kind of setting the motion into weird things. But I have an, a theory that he wrote Rachel the way he wrote her because she refused to sleep with him. I don't know if it's true. It's a theory that I have because he really ruined her character and also made her a stripper, right? So he made her wear like barely anything 
and sexualized her. So yeah, it's just gross. And there's another moment where Chantel <laughs> um, Quinn is there in Utah and she's walking around in a bikini. And I was ki- I always kind of felt like he made his creepy move from Hillary to her. Don't know if that's confirmed. Never her. I don't know. I know that she also put something out saying she felt uncomfortable. And I know this probably isn't fair to say, but I always wonder how the men on set felt because they all put out like something that they felt really horrible that the girls went through that. But I feel like even if fans knew about this, because I always I remember hearing things about Mark being creepy towards Hillary. And the reason Hillary wouldn't return to set is because she well, she would have she would have actually made an appearance if Mark was not on set. But he refused that. So it's kind of like, I don't know, it's not fair to place blame on anybody other than Mark himself. But I don't think people were as supportive as they should have been about the females on that set. Wow, we've really gone over a lot of stuff. I'm trying to think of like other things that I've heard, other things that I can kind of bring into light about One Tree Hill, about the cast. I'll say a couple of my favorite episodes. One of my favorite episodes is the season two finale. It has like Jimmy Eat World in it. It's when Peyton says goodbye to Luke, um, Jake. And I will say that I love that episode so much. Um, I do think the best episode of the whole thing is the shooting episode and the episodes following it. So the funeral episode, and then there is the cabin episode. And I really love the cabin episode, but I'd say the shooting episode is the best. You know what? I'm going to say it. I think it's the best teen drama show I've ever, or episode I've ever seen in any show. I do think that they deserved an award for that. And there's also this really great speech that Brooke said that Mark Schwann cut from the episode. But if you Google it or YouTube it, Google it. If you YouTube it, you can watch it. Do like Brooke Davis, deleted scene 3x16 and it comes up and it's an incredible speech she goes off on that journalist woman who's like poking and prodding trying to get information about the shooter and yeah I don't think there will ever be a reboot or a reunion of One Tree Hill because of Mark Schwann I think if they could somehow get him not to be attached to it there could be something but I don't think we will see that in the future and honestly I'm okay with that. I don't think everything needs to be rebooted. I mean look at the Hills reboot. I just even the 90210 reboot like I watched the 90210 reboot before I watched anything of the real 90210 and I was like wow why did they even do this. But that's really all I have for the One Tree Hill segment. Maybe things will pop into my head like as I'm talking about Gossip Girl. Well I guess this is a random fact. Tim dated Jana Kramer. The actor who played Tim Brett Claywell he dated Jana Kramer for a little while and I think if there is a season four of Very Cavallari, Jana Kramer is going to be a part of it. You heard it here first. I'm pretty sure that's going to happen if the show gets picked up for season four. All right, guys, so I'm about to start talking about behind the scenes of Gossip Girl. And all of my information comes from Crazy Days and Nights, which again is a podcast and website hosted by NT Lawyer, as he calls himself, E-N-T-Y Lawyer. So he starts off the podcast with a celebrity blind from 2008 so he's been doing this for a very long time and get ready because it's kind of this gets dark there's a lot of darkness in the behind the scenes of Gossip Girl and I'm going to read this blind to you give you a second to think about who the blind is about and then of course tell you so as I said this is a blind from 2008 and I think reading it out loud will help you realize more what a celebrity blind is so it starts with well now things are starting to fall into place and make a whole lot more sense Some very odd behavior from this tween star, and I do use the term tween star. Outside of the tween world, she's probably 
a B-minus list actress, but in the tween world, an A-lister for sure. All of the missed interviews, missed flights, screaming fights, and repeated bouts of the flu over the past week make a lot more sense when you realize that our little tweener has a big problem with heroin. A big problem, as in trips away from L.A. have been a real challenge and has made life miserable for everyone she encounters. With no steady supply, our actress has been getting worse and worse. A quiet, quote, vacation is no doubt in the works in the very near future. Who do you think that's about? I'm going to let you have a second. So that is about Taylor Momsen, a.k.a. Jenny Humphrey. And I feel like a lot of people forget how bad off she was. Taylor was in bad shape and her team ignored it and did a horrible job keeping it out of the news. They didn't say, oh yeah, she's addicted to heroin, but they did a bad job of denying it and gave lame excuses for her problems, as they still do for celebrities. I mean, Selena Gomez has had to cancel tours and has been hospitalized for exhaustion how many times? It's crazy how Selena's has never been really questioned about all of her times that she's been exhausted. And I understand she does have lupus, so it goes along with that, but... Let's let's be real. We try and be real on this podcast. Selena Gomez allegedly has drug issues, but this is not about Selena Gomez, Kelly. We're talking about behind the scenes of Gossip Girl. So Enti says that he's really happy to see Taylor pull herself out of the heroin days because he honestly thought back in 2008 when he wrote the blind item that I mentioned, she was going to die within the next year. He really didn't think she was going to make it, but he is very proud that she was able to pull herself out of that darkness. And all of the characters on in the show were high school age. The actors playing them were all in their 20s, except for Taylor, who was only 13 when they started filming. And on the show, Taylor's character Jenny hooks up with and eventually sleeps with Ed Westwick's character Chuck. And Ed is six years older than Jenny and was in his 20s when Taylor was only like 14 or 15. So that's too young, in my opinion. And they were like too old. They should have been an all-young cast or an all-20-year-old cast. Because I feel like that really blurs the lines between fiction, reality, what's legal, what's not legal. And I mean, let's be real, Gossip Girl had some pretty heavy storylines. It wasn't for kids. I mean, I was like 16 watching it, and I can remember my mom being upset with some of the things that they showed. It was a very graphic show. And a lot of parents freaked out over the show's content. And if you think about it, the producers of the show used parents' boycott propaganda to create ads for the show. And it was genius. I mean, it boosted the ratings a ton. And according to Enti, producers, much like Riverdale does now, encouraged dating among cast members. And, you know, after I heard that, it made me think of One Tree Hill, and I wonder if it was encouraged for these cast members to date each other. This kind of thing makes the show more apparently real to the audience. And I feel like CW has that in all their shows. All cast members date each other at some point. Even Vampire Diaries is like that. So Blake Lively was actually concerned that dating within the cast would start to affect how producers would view the cast. And they even said, no, no, we want you to. You have to do it. And apparently the producers also encouraged the cast to wear their characters' costumes out in their everyday lives. So it makes it seem like these are real people in that you really are these people. They said it was method acting to become their characters. And Enti thinks during the fourth season, the show's scripts were hacked and leaked online by a teenage boy from Russia. So that's kind of just a random little, a random little sidebar. 
But Enti thinks that Blake Lively should be more grateful for her role on Gossip Girl because he's not sure what she would have amounted to without it. So then Enti also makes a really big claim. He says, quote, Well, Gossip Girl and Harvey... Well, maybe she would have amounted to something without Gossip Girl because of Harvey Weinstein. And we'll talk about her and Harvey in a minute. So get ready because there's some, there's some stuff there. And again, this is all allegedly. This is just from Enti who has some connections. So get ready. But he thinks that both Blake and Chase Crawford kind of bashed the show a little bit. And this is a quote from 2012 that Chase Crawford actually said. He said, I'm going to look for my dignity. My dignity is somewhere on set. I think it happened around season two. Leading into season three, it was all out the window. And it's like, really? That's what you're going to say about a show that paid you every week? I mean, Chase Crawford hasn't really done anything since Gossip Girl. I know he's in the show Boys on Amazon Prime, but like, he's not a great actor or anything. And in 2015, Blake had this to say about Gossip Girl. She said, people loved it, but it always felt a little personally compromising. You want to be putting a better message out there. The lines become blurred. It doesn't help when everybody is dating who they're dating on the show, and you're also saying to the costume designer, hey, can I take this home? And then Enti says, quote, Really? You thought Gossip Girl should have been putting a better message out there? It was a guilty pleasure nighttime soap. Let's be real. So we all know that Blake Lively dated Pem Badgley from 2008 to 2010. And that's just, he kind of jumps around a little bit. So we know that they dated and while they dated, she kind of blew up. And I always thought that she'd leave him. Honestly, I'm like, Pem Badgley, she's going to leave him. But there is a weird part of me that thought, Penn was always jealous of Blake. I don't know if that's true or not. But we're going to move on to some Ed Westwick stuff. Now, Ed originally wanted the role for Nate Archibald, but producers thought he was too scary. The show runners actually liked Ed for Nate, but the network said, no, he's too scary looking. Like, he does not look like Nate. I keep saying almost eight. Like, why am I doing that? Anyway, casting department told Ed to come back, audition for Chuck. He did, and he got it. And I mean, you don't really hear much about Ed Westwick anymore. Like, really nothing until 2017 when three women came forward and accused Ed of sexual assault and rape. And Enti ends up saying he's never heard or seen anything that would indicate that Ed was a predator. And he said, sure, he heard that Ed was freaky in bed and liked some kinky weird stuff, but never said anything about rape or sexual assault. Ed, of course, has denied all allegations, and the LA police said there was not evidence and there were no charges brought against Ed. So Ed's ex, he, if you remember, he dated Vanessa. He dated Jessica Zor, and she said she did not think Ed did these things, but also said she wasn't there, so she cannot say for sure. So now we're going to move on to Leighton Meester, and and Enti said that he could do a four-hour podcast just on Leighton Meester. He thinks her life is fascinating, and it definitely is. Like, she comes from a drug crime family. She was born in jail. Her mom was pregnant in jail. She was born in jail. She spent the first three months of her life living in a halfway house. And Leighton grew up with a lot of struggles. Both of her parents were part of the drug ring and they both went to prison. And he goes on to say that she had issues with mother, with her mother all of her life. One time, Leighton was sending money to the family every month to help her younger brother because he was sick and their mom ended up spending it all on plastic surgery. Leighton ended up suing her mom and her mom countersued her saying that Leighton had physically abused her 
And listen to this, Layton was sending almost $8,000 a month to her family. So in 2010, Layton snapped at her mom's terrible behavior and beat her mom's ass. She beat up her mom and her brother basically had to pull her off. And it was a bad situation, but Enti thinks Layton really is a good person. This was just a girl who had enough and she reacted poorly in that moment. And he keeps saying like, Layton is not an abuser. Since Gossip Girl, she hasn't done too much, but in my opinion, she's a great singer. Layton Meester should go back to singing. She has an incredible voice. I will buy all of her music. Um, he said he's been, she's been doing really well as of late. She got, we all know she got married to Adam Brody, aka Seth Cohen, and now they have a baby. Not sure if it's a daughter or son, but they have a baby together. And I'm not sure if you guys remember, but in 2009, she actually had a sex tape that leaked. TMZ had all of it. It was very quiet. Nobody really said anything until Leighton Meester finally made a statement. And her statement was... I don't want most of what comes along with all of this. So she said this to Harper's Bazaar. So she's being interviewed and she said, I don't want most of what comes along with this. The tape is not real, so it makes sort of me sort of sad. It's unfortunate that it got carried as far as it did. I definitely understand the nature of people better now and that the mere allegations of something like that could be a headline news. People think it's real because somebody says it. I've never been crazy. I'm a very good girl. And to be honest, I didn't do anything to hurt anybody. Honestly, all I ever do is work. And I feel like that was always kind of Leighton Meester's thing. She wanted to work. She wasn't a part of all the crazy tabloids. She wasn't in a lot of tabloids, whereas Blake Lively was. Blake Lively was the Serena, right? She was everywhere. She was the it girl. And Leighton was just, I felt bad because I always thought, I mean, Blake Lively is not a good actress. Blake Lively cannot act her way out of a paper bag. Like watching her in A Simple Favor, the best thing she did was wear those badass pantsuits. Even in the town, (laughs) I always do like when I'm watching it with my family, we're like, some fucking Somalians will talk in shit. Because that's how she talks in it. And that's how, it's so bad. That's exactly how she talks in that movie. But anyway... I feel like there was always a real power struggle between her and Leighton Meester. And I don't know. We're going to talk about that a little bit more, actually. But back to the sex tape. Enti does think that it existed or still exists. And he thinks this because TMZ is not usually wrong about sex tapes, especially back in like 2009, 2010. But he thinks Leighton's tape was being shopped around and Leighton was eventually able to buy it back. And this is the reason we heard nothing from Leighton for months after the news of the possible sex tape. She did not want to deny it while there was still a chance some tabloid could buy it. She waited until she cut a deal and knew for sure it would never see the light of day. Then she finally made a statement and said the sex tape was a lie. So brilliant. I mean, that's a really smart way to go. I think that her team was really smart with that. So... Let's talk about Blake Lively a little more. Enti likes to talk about her a lot. He doesn't seem to be the the biggest Blake Lively fan. But she was basically cast because showrunners were reading message boards where Blake fans were already casting her for the role. And Blake was a natural for Serena. Apparently, Blake said she wanted to go to college, but then Gossip Girl happened and changed her mind. But she was serious about getting an education. And the show told her she could go to Columbia one day a week and still film. She never took him up on that offer. So I don't know if you guys remember, there was this big thing that happened, I want to say 2010, 2011, where a bunch of female celebrities' nude photos got leaked. It was all over Twitter. It was all over everything. And Blake was a part of that nude photo scandal. 
and a hacker released over 20 nude images of Blake and did not care about her threats to sue and just kept releasing all the photos. A lot of them were taken while she was on set filming the town and Blake and her team instantly denied the photos were real and I don't think that's as smart as what Leighton did. Blake's team said the the photos were 100% fake and Blake has never taken a naked photo of herself ever. I just, sometimes with things like that, I feel like if the celebrity comes out and they're like, yeah, those are my personal photos and it's fucking gross that you're looking at them, I think they should have went that route instead. But the hacker released even more pictures proving that they were Blake and this was a big mess and it made Blake's team look bad. But I mean, Blake did make it big even after Gossip Girl and Enti starts saying this, let's talk about Blake and Harvey Weinstein. Harvey was a huge supporter of Blake and he was promoting her all over the place and was her one of her biggest cheerleaders. She kind of came out of nowhere and then she was everywhere. Like she was, she was the pretty girl in Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. She was very beautiful in Gossip Girl. But then all of a sudden, I feel like she really did explode and was everywhere. And the rumors say this happened because Blake was sleeping with Harvey. That she was, in quote, one of Harvey's girls. And there were a lot of Harvey's girls. People were talking about Harvey and Blake since 2010. And no one cared much back then. It was just accepted. So we're going to talk a little bit more about what a Harvey girl is, okay? And again, this is all allegedly. This is, you know, she's never come out and said anything. But back in 2010, it was really hard to make the transition from TV to movies. And Blake made that transition with Harvey's support. Every two years or so, Harvey would pick a new girl to give that fame boost to. And around 2010, he chose Blake. So he says that like a Harvey's girl is usually blonde, pretty, but not drop dead gorgeous. And they're suddenly everywhere. And he says to think Jennifer Lawrence. And you'll see him on the red carpet wearing mostly Marchesa. And sometimes being a Harvey girl will work out really well for someone like Blake Lively, Gwyneth Paltrow, Jennifer Lawrence. But then there are some times it doesn't work out as well. And I mean, saying it works out well is pretty gross because you have to do some gross things, but getting the attention that you crave from the public media is more what I mean by that. And while Harvey was talking Blake up and taking her to events, she had not been in any of his movies. So she did make a statement in 2017 when Harvey was finally busted for being like absolutely disgusting. So she ended up saying, That was never my experience with Harvey in any way whatsoever. And I think that if people heard these stories, I do believe in humanity enough to think that this wouldn't have just continued. I never heard any stories like this and I never heard anything specific. It is devastating to hear. So we're going to move on to Taylor Momsen. And during season one of Gossip Girl, Taylor was very fresh-faced, Cindy Lou Who, And by season two, Taylor had already transformed herself and Jenny was much more goth and hardcore. No more innocence. And Taylor refused to keep herself and the character Jenny separate. Taylor hated being a child star and she hated her parents for making her a child star. Apparently she was a huge diva on set. I mean, Tim Gunn shot a spot on Gossip Girl and he called her a diva. He was like, she was pathetic. She couldn't remember her lines and she didn't even have that many. And I thought to myself, why are we all being held hostage by this brat? He said that 
if he was a regular on the show, he would give her some advice. He goes, I'd say, you know, young lady, there are hundreds of thousands of girls who are just as attractive and even smarter than you. Why are you acting like this show is a huge burden? She was on her phone during every break and I wanted to tell her, if you weren't on your Blackberry, you could retain this stuff. All right, so enough about the girls on Gossip Girl. Let's talk a little bit more about the Gossip Boys. Enti starts off with Pem Badgley and he talks about how... He was not having any luck finding roles and was about to quit acting for good until he got the role as Dan in Gossip Girl. And Dan was the Gossip Girl, but he didn't know that. He said he was left in the dark just to make it a big reveal. I mean, Penn also hated being on the show and his bad talk the show every chance he got. And I I agree with Enti. He's like, why trash talk the hit show that gave you a chance? I mean, what did... Penn Badgley get after Gossip Girl. Nothing until you, which is 2018. Like, that's kind of a long break. I feel like all these people are just, like, so negative about these roles that really did give them a shot. And he doesn't have much tea on Penn Badgley. I wish there was a little bit more. But we're going to go to Chase Crawford. I mean, when Gossip Girl blew up, Chase Crawford was fighting and dealing with gay rumors. He was a tabloid sensation. Chase was accused of hooking up with everyone from like Ed Westwick to J.C. Chazé. And he quickly brings up J.C. Chazé's super close relationship with Brian Singer. So if you don't know who Brian Singer is, just Google him. Do a quick Google search and a lot of stuff will come up. But we find out that Eric Podwall is a manager to Chase Crawford and J.C. Chazé. And in 2008, Chase was trying to sneak in and out of J.C.'s pool cabana. And while this was happening, him and Carrie Underwood broke up. And the gay rumors were all denied by Chase's team. There are still a lot of gay rumors about Chase to this day. And even Carrie Underwood has questioned and called out Chase for staging fake relationships. She told a magazine she wasn't sure why Chase even dated her back then. And it felt like a total PR stunt and they broke up over text message. Kind of a little fun fact. Another very Cavalry member, not the one who I talked about with Mark Schwann, a different one, has made out with Chase Crawford. And when she told me, I was like, I'm so jealous of you because I was madly in love with Chase Crawford. Maybe I was more in love with just like Nate Archibald. But he doesn't really have like a ton more on Chase or Penn. He kind of jumps around and yeah. He moves on to Blake Lively and Leighton Meester not liking each other behind the scenes. He said it was clear right away that they were not going to be BFFs. Leighton's more quiet and laid back. She stayed in the shadows while Blake was the social butterfly. He said they were really good at pretending to get along, but they really did not have much to do with each other outside of the show or doing promotion for the show. Leighton thought that Blake was a diva with an excessive wardrobe budget and acted like being on the Gossip Girl set was slumming it. And she said that Blake acted like her poo-poo didn't stink because she knew that bigger things were in store for her after Gossip Girl. And again, this is, I'm always going to say this is all alleged, but NT seems to know his shit. He doesn't just throw shit out there. I don't think he's ever even been sued, so. So, I mean, even Blake Lively's publicist confirmed the story was true. She was like, Blake and Leighton have not been best friends and never professed to be best friends. Blake goes to work, does her job, and goes home. Leighton and Taylor also didn't get along. They competed over their singing careers. So Gossip Girl used two of Leighton's songs on the show and none of Taylor's. Taylor was pissed, but during season three, the CW had 
this to say about Taylor's music. The show will support Taylor and her music when the time is right, but her music is not ready yet. They ended up they ended up using some Taylor music a little bit later in the series. But Blake and Penn were a real-life couple for the first three seasons of the show, and Enti says they did not go public for a long time. They denied the rumors for a while, even though cast members were encouraged to date. Even after a year of dating, Blake was denying the relationship with Penn, saying, everyone tries to dig into your personal life or create things that are not there. It's silly. Any male friend is obviously a romance alert, but I've had guy friends my whole life. But why deny it? And she probably thought she could do better and didn't want other famous guys to think she was off the market. When Pem was asked about Blake, he also did not admit that they were dating. And when they finally got busted by paparazzi, they said they kept their relationship quiet because they didn't want the show's producers to get mad, which again is total bullshit because we already know that they were encouraged to date. But when Blake and Pem broke up, they remained really professional on set. So professional, in fact, that their bosses and crew had no idea that they had broken up. Unlike Chad Michael Murray and Sophia Bush. <laughs> so Endy picks back up with Jessica and Ed Westwick and they played Chuck and Vanessa. And their real life relationship pretty much played out like the characters they played on the show. They started dating in 2008. They split in 2010 when Jessica cheated on Ed with one of Ed's best friends. Ed was filming in Europe at the time and he heard about the cheating, broke up with Jessica over the phone from London. Jessica denies that ever happened. It flew to London to try and see Ed, work it out. At some point, they got over it and they got back together. Then later in 2012, Ed said he was single, but in 2013, Ed and Jessica were spotted together again. Finally, it tapered off and Jessica got a new boyfriend. So apparently, on Valentine's Day in 2009... Leighton Meester and Sebastian Stan, because they dated, Carter Bazin was Sebastian Stan, who's now whoever he is in the Marvel Universe, but they went to Jamaica with Jessica and Ed. And apparently on that trip, Leighton and Stan, Sebastian got engaged, then broke up immediately. Apparently, Leighton caught him cheating and dumped him right away. Some other things I forgot about, Kelly Rutherford and Matthew Settle, who are Rufus and Lily... They dated quickly, and I really forgot about that. Apparently, when Georgina joined, when Michelle Trachenberg joined, she was just, like, really difficult to deal with on set. But I love Georgina, so I'm not really... I mean, I'm really sad to hear that, actually, because I would have loved to her for her to be on the show more. So this is a blind item that he revealed. And again, I'm going to read it and then give you guys a second to guess and then tell you who it's about. I love it when I hear something and think to myself, this is really good. That kind of gossip that is something you can grab, something solid. This was a popular show not all that long ago. It seems like long ago, but it was a big hit for this almost network. It also had one of the most twisted, messed up relationships that led to a near death. This actress was probably B-plus list coming onto the show. This actor reached A-minus list while on the show, but has steadily declined. He is already fairly dark. When you combined him with this actress, things escalated quickly. It was not long before they were doing drugs together. I'm not talking about coke. I'm talking about heroin straight into their veins. Other times they would have this dark brooding sex and would often bring in some teen that they would find or their drug dealer would send over. They knew whatever woman they brought wouldn't say anything because they wouldn't want to jeopardize their heroin supply. This was a recipe for some brutal sexual encounters. On set, the two brought a dark energy and people tended to shy away from them. Especially our actress, 
There was no socializing with any other cast members. She found them to be fake and hypocritical and full of themselves. She always wanted real. She wanted to feel. She wanted to bleed. Well, she almost died. She had a very bad overdose, and it was only blind luck that she didn't. She spent a lot of time getting better, and the whole thing made her realize she wanted to experience different things, so walked away and forced the producer's hand to get what she wanted. Taylor Momsen and Ed Westwick. There are a lot of blinds about Taylor Momsen. I'm just going to say that. There's actually a lot of blinds in general. So this one, I hope that these celebrity blinds, like now that I'm reading them out loud, are kind of making more sense to you guys. So these two actresses from a hit network show can't stand each other. Not from the first season and never probably will. The underdog in this is the actress who felt like she had to work for everything she got and hates that the other actress gets attention simply because she has larger breasts and is willing to sleep with more people. The underdog says that the other actress has always been a pain, but the past few months have been a nightmare of self-backpatting and look-at-me-itis. So... It was with great pleasure the underdog told the actress about how the underdog already has a new show for herself and some movies lined up. The other actress, however, has to check everything through the new person in her life and is not sure how much she's going to work. He would like her with him at all times and even tried to get her out of the contract on the show. So that's Leighton Meester as the underdog and Blake Lively with Ryan Reynolds being the new person in her life. So something about Ryan Reynolds that Enti always says is he is really, really controlling. So he is just, he wants to control the woman he's with and that's why him and Scarlett Johansson didn't work out. I feel like Blake's been in a decent amount of movies, but she also goes like really quiet. So I'm not sure if it's true or not. And that's kind of how he ends it. He ends it with that blind item. I hope that this was a lot of great gossip. I hope that you guys had fun with it. I had fun with it. It was kind of cool doing something different. As I've said before, um, I love Laguna Beach. I love the hills, but sometimes it is nice to take a breath, kind of get away from it. I do suggest um, you look into Chase Crawford, JC Chazay, and Brian Singer. It's a really weird little tangled web. Brian Singer is not a great person. Um, I was going to look into other blind items, but I think for now these two shows is it, at least for this podcast. So I hope you guys enjoyed. I hope I gave you a lot of gossip that you can talk about, and I hope you have an awesome rest of your week. But be sure to tune in Tuesday because there's going to be the Hill Season 2 finale. All right, bye. Oh, I guess I should sign off XOXO Laguna Biatch.